How you guys doing? You feeling good? God is good, amen? God is good, amen? Oh, y'all, y'all just getting a routine. God is good all the time. <laughs> Man, God is so good. Just came over from the Hillside campus and just, just shared the word there with the sons and daughters there. And uh, God just really did an amazing work there in the hearts and minds of the sons and daughters at Hillside. And I really believe that what God does in one place, he intends not just to do here, but to do more. Amen. God's going to do more. Amen. You know, every time the word is preached, this is something we learned when we were down at Living Hope. Some, every time that the word is preached, it is meant to catapult you into a new season. Every time the word of God goes out, it is meant to change something in your life. You should never sit under a sermon, sit under the word of God going out from anyone. You should never hear the word of God and come from it unchanged. Every time the word of God is preached, it is meant to shift things in your life. You believe that? Say amen. Amen. You know, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, right? Every time the word of God goes out, it's meant to just change us and shift us into a new place. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to shift you and I as sons and daughters. He's bringing us into a new season. He's bringing us into a new place as sons and daughters in this house. Amen? Amen? You know... A revelation that I got while I was out at Living Hope was that God intends for the sons and daughters of the house to walk in full confidence. You know, many believers in the body of Christ today, we believe in God. We believe that Jesus has died for our sins. We, and many of us, we even believe that the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit to empower us. We believe that God has gifted us. We believe that God has put a call on our lives. But when it comes to actually living it out and every day walking out as sons of God, the one thing we lack is confidence. We don't lack anointing. We don't lack lack gifting. We don't lack the fire. But what we lack is confidence. And what God wants to do in you today is he wants to shift you to a new place where you no longer walk in anxiety and fear. You no longer walk in timidity. God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but he's given you a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. And he wants you to be able to walk in that today. That when you leave this place and every day forth from here, you will be in a season, not just a season, but you'll be catapulted into a lifetime of walking in confidence as sons, as daughters. And that everything that the father has put in you All the gifting, all the anointing, all those things, you'll see it manifest in your life. Not because he hasn't already put it there, but you believe that it's there and you walk in it. You know, when I was at Living Hope, I was there and they had these Thursday night prayer meetings. And it was real cool. I was telling Hillside about how it just totally looks like Friday fire. It totally looks like Friday fire. If you guys are like, what is Friday fire? You need to get in the prayer movement here at the church. Friday Fire is our Friday night prayer meetings we have every Friday, right, where the church comes together from both campuses and we begin to contend for the things of God. Not just the things of God for New Philadelphia. You know, we're, we're not just self-centered like that. We believe that what God does here and what he speaks to us is not just for us, but it's for the entire body of Christ. That's actually the nature of being an apostolic church. 
is that what God gives you is not meant just for you, but it's meant for the entire body. And so we come together and we contend. And I was there that Thursday night at Living Hope because they started having these Thursday night prayer meetings. They heard about everything that was happening at our Friday fires, at our Sunday swims, where God just moves powerfully. People are just getting raised up. They're just getting built up in God. And they heard about these things. And Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny were like, you know what, we want that. We want that for Living Hope. Living Hope is in Oakland, near right outside of Oakland in Emeryville, California. And they were like, we want that. So they started having these Thursday night prayer meetings. And myself and Pastor Aaron and Lisa, we were there and we were praying and we were praying alongside them. And then God gave me a vision. And God gave me a vision. And in that vision, I was taken up and I was in the presence of God. And God was seated. He was seated up on his throne. And it was like, I was like, you know, wow, you know, God, that's God. What's up? You know, he's up on his throne. And then as I, as I got closer, I noticed that there was this platform before him. And this platform was like, it was pure gold. But it was so pure that it was almost clear. I can't even put it into words. I don't, I don't understand it. I was just like, I know that's gold, but it's clear. None of us have ever seen like clear gold before, right? You know, or maybe you have and, you know, hook me up. But I'm standing before him and I see this platform where there's this pure gold. And then as I get closer up to him, I stand and I look down and before me, I see a set of boot prints. And I see this set of boot prints right before me. And as soon as I see him, I know that, I, that they're mine. I know in the spirit that it's mine. In this vision, I know that these boot prints are mine. And as soon as I come to that recognition, wow, these are my boot prints. I hear the father say, Son, take your place. Son, take your place. You know, the crazy thing is, is that because those prints were already there, that meant that that place was already prepared for me. There was a place that God had already set before me in his presence. And he was telling me to take my place in it. And, you know, for each and every one of you, it's not that you've got to build yourself up to a certain place where you can arise to the presence of God. But God has already went before you to prepare a place for you. And what he's saying to you is to take your place today. What he's saying is for you to take your place and to step into everything that he's already prepared for you. For you to step out with confidence in it. Even as I preach this word right now, I notice that for some of you. You feel maybe like you're not getting it. What is he talking about? Take my place. What is he talking about that I would walk in confidence? What is he talking about that I would go out in in everything that God has already given me? You know, God has given you a call. First, as a son, first to just be in his love. But not only to just be in his love, but also to add on to his house. To bring other people into his house. Not just that, but to transform cities and nations. You believe that? Say amen. Amen. Some of y'all not so sure. You know, when Jeremiah was born, he said, Jeremiah, I knew you even before you were born. Even before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And God had full confidence in what he had already set apart for Jeremiah. But Jeremiah didn't have confidence in what God had put in him. That's why he had to say it to him in the first place. That's why he said, Jeremiah, don't be afraid. 
God had given Jeremiah this call to go out before people who didn't want to hear the message and to preach to them, to call them back, to call them forth. But Jeremiah lacked that confidence. So he said, you know what, Jeremiah, I want to let you know that everything that you've put, that I put in you, I have full confidence in. And I want you to go out and I want you to walk in it. But, you know, part of the reason why many of us in this house, specifically at Itaewon, the reason why we don't walk in confidence in what God has given us and what God means for us to walk in. It's because we don't believe we're worthy of it. We don't believe that we're new creations. You know, the word of God says, behold, you are a new creation. The old has what? The old is what? And the new has. The new has come. It's here now. But so many of us. We go back and forth between believing we're new creations or not. You know, am I really changed? Has God really shifted me? Has God really brought me to a new place in him? Has God really transformed me? And so when we step out, we don't really have that full confidence that God has changed us. But I want to tell you by the word of the Lord, you are a new creation. That the old is gone and the new has come. And the only way that you end up living at a place that's not yours is if you turn around. And you begin to turn back and begin to live in the things of the past. And not what he's actually set you in. And what he's calling you to walk in. I believe there's a couple of you even right now that 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 word is resonating in. I didn't even preach that at Hillside, but I feel it resonating in my spirit that there's many of you who have beaten yourself down when it comes to rising up to who you're supposed to be. Because you feel like, you know what, I'm not a new creation. I need to work harder. I need to do better. I need to make things happen for myself. But I tell you that that's not God's heart for you. That's not even how the father sees you. When he sees you, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, how beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. If you receive that, say amen. Amen. You know, when I was at Living Hope, I got this revelation for myself first about confidence. I got this revelation that, that the Lord was calling me to walk in a greater measure of confidence. And you know how it happened? It was really funny. It happened through a website. You know, when I went to Living Hope, I was, I was sent there. And when I went there, one of the, the things that I was going to do while I was there was build a website for Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny. If you guys don't know, I, I helped manage and build the website here at New Philly. Woo-woo. And, um, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that website. And, uh, and, but when I went to Living Hope... You know, and Pastor Benjamin's like, Marcus, you know, I want you to build this website for me. And I was like, okay. I got all anxious and I got all nervous and I started getting all fearful. And like the, and I'm sitting there before a computer the whole time and I'm like staring at it, but nothing's happening. Like you, you ever had those moments? Like I had it in school where like you're supposed to study, but you're just like looking at the computer screen. You're not even doing what you know you should be doing, but you're just like, 
this test is, and you look and like four hours have passed and you're like still haven't studied. That's what was happening. And I was getting so frustrated. I was getting so down on myself. And I was like, man, why can't I build this? I know I can do it. I've built websites for other people before, but I just cannot make this happen. I'm like, every time I'm working at it, it's like, I'm like, oh, this is, this is crap, whatever. And then I start all over again. And I start back again. I'm like, I don't like this. And I start back over again. And I kept getting so frustrated. And then later I, I had a chance to s- sit with Pastor Benjamin. He was like, Marcus, you know, every single time that you were getting frustrated, every day I'd go home and I would be warfaring on your behalf. I was like, oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, I'm warfaring on your behalf. And then he was like, you know, Marcus, the reason I was warfaring was because that website was a test. I said, like, well, you were testing me like the whole time? Like part of me was kind of like, what? Like, you, that was a test? But he was like, you know what, Marcus, because you, you don't lack anointing. You don't lack gifting. You don't lack anything. The only thing is you don't believe it. You just lack confidence that you can do everything that the father asks you to do. You know, so many times the father will come up and he'll preach a word or he'll he'll give an exhortation or he'll speak something to us. And while we receive it, we'll say amen. There's still a part in us that doesn't have full confidence that we're able to do it. But I believe that today the Lord's going to bring this shift. There's a shift already taking place where we will step in full confidence in what he, what the father, not only what the father asks us to do, because true sons don't just do what the father asks them to do. You know, so many of us have grown up in houses where all we did was what our parents asked us to do. But, do you know, if you only do what the father asks you to do, you're not a son, you're a slave. But true sons, don't, they not only do what the father asks them to do, but they add on to what the father has asked them to do. Father, you asked me to do this. I turn back and here's a double portion of it. You asked me to just get up and to just pray once. You asked me just to come to one prayer meeting. But you know what? I came and I went home and I prayed every single night. Here's, here's five times what you asked of me. You asked me to come to church just to come to church on time. It's 4 p.m. Just to come to church on time. But you know what? I'll do even better. I'll come at 2.30. Because true sons don't just do what the father asks. That's actually immaturity as a son. You know, when your father asks you to brush your teeth, to take a shower, to put your clothes on. You know, a five-year-old child will do that. You know, okay, all right, okay. But once you've got that mastered down, the father wants you to step into something greater. He wants you to not only know how to put your clothes on, but also to go even further and do things that are even on his heart that he doesn't know it. And I believe that God wants to release us into a place where we don't just come in just trying to pray, but we go even beyond that. We don't just come in just praying for healing when we're here, but we go on the streets and we pray for healing. We don't just learn how to prophesy here at the Sunday prayer meetings, but we prophesy on the streets. Amen. You guys hearing me right now? You know, it says in the word that we need to wake up. Because salvation is closer to us now than when we first believed. And I want to say to each one of you right now that it's time for you to wake up. 
it's time for you to grasp this word that's going out because this word holds your breakthrough. This word holds your breakthrough. So many of us come into the church and we just sit in the pews and we go to sleep and we come in and we leave the exact way we came and we end up getting upset at the church because we're not changed. When the problem is we weren't awake and trying and hungry to grasp that word. So, Father, I speak to every spirit in this place right now, God, and I command it to awaken. Father, I speak to every heart in this place right now, God. And, Father, I break off all distraction. I break off the deadness and the heaviness right now, God. And, I, Father, I speak an awakening coming to our hearts right now by the spirit of the living God. Father, I pray even now, God, that, Father, you would begin to put a stirring in us. I want every person in this room right now to begin to pray. Begin to stir it up right now in this place. Because this word holds your breakthrough. So I want every person to just begin to pray right now. Father, I command right now, Lord, just spirits to begin to be enlightened in this place, Father. We cast off right now every distraction. We cast off every hindrance, God. We cast off, Father, the works of the flesh, God. And, Father, we take hold of it in the spirit, God. Yes, Lord. Father, we just break every work of the devil right now. We break every assignment, God. And I pray as the word goes out today, it will be spirit and life, God, in this place, God. I pray that as the word goes out, that we will leave, God, in the spirit and in life, God. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys with me? Come on. The Lord spoke it in my spirit that this word was meant to bring a shift to the sons and daughters of the house. And that there was a specific reason that I was preaching this message. You know, it says in the word whom the son set free are free indeed. And the father sent the son to go set the brothers and sisters free. Because there's a, there's a breakthrough that can only come through the son's. And so as I stand right here preaching this word, some of you may wonder, why is it not the father? But there's a breakthrough coming for you right now, and it's coming through the son. Because whom the son sets free is free indeed. So I want you to begin to grasp this even as I continue to preach. God wants us to stand in confidence, beloved. Itaewon is desperate for us to walk in confidence. Itaewon is desperate for us to stand, not as these super duper Christians, but just to us to be who we're called to be. This entire city, creation, is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And it takes that confidence. You know, another reason why we don't walk in confidence is because we've grasped the soul of sonship and not the spirit of sonship. You know, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And many of us, when this word of sonship goes out, and we, even in Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 15, he says, you've not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry, Abba, Father. There's so many of us that we hear this word of sonship, we hear this word that God calls us a son. And not just that, but that we have a spiritual mother, a spiritual father. And the first thing we want to do is we want to grasp onto this word with our souls. We grasp onto it with our emotions. 
We want to grasp onto it with our, our mind, our will, and emotions. And so we put these, we are like, you know what? Maybe my father wasn't the father that I want him to be. Maybe my, my father wasn't the person or the father that I wish he would have. But you know what? I got a spiritual father now. And so now he's going to touch every area in my emotions that my father didn't. He's going to touch every area in my thinking or in my doing that my father didn't do, that my father didn't encourage me in. And so then when our spiritual fathers don't necessarily do that, or our spiritual fathers show weakness or they show areas where God is, is working in them, the first thing that happens to us is we get offended. The first time we see weakness in our pastor, we get offended. The first time we, we may see something that happens in our, in our pastor or in our, our church leaders or our small group leader that we don't like, the first thing that happens is we get offended. And that's because we're walking in the soul and not the spirit. We're wanting our souls to be nourished. We're wanting someone to touch my mind, touch my will, touch my emotions. Please, please, can you be that father for me that my father was not? Can you be that mother for me that my mother was not? And we put this burden on our, on our pastors or on our spiritual mothers or our spiritual fathers. And then what happens is it becomes so easy for us to get offended. Because then they're like, you know what? You're not a good pastor. You're not a good small group leader. Man, you could do so much better. You could do so much better. I wish, I wish my, my spiritual father was like this. I wish my spiritual father was like that. But I want to tell you that your connection with your spiritual mother and father and the spirit of sonship is a spiritual thing, not a soulish thing. It's something that you connect with, not in the realm of your mind, your will, and emotions, but in the spirit. Your connection with them is in the spirit and you're one in the spirit. And everything that God has for you to reach the levels that God has for you in terms of your calling and your gifting can only be accomplished in the spirit, not in the soul. But many of us, the way we view our pastors, the way we view our church leaders is totally in the soul. But when you're in the spirit, it's impossible to be offended. You can never be offended by someone if you're walking in the spirit with him. You know, I've been an intern pastor at New Philly now for like two and a half years. And there's been so many opportunities for me to be offended by Pastor Christian. <laughs> what, what? Like, really? What? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> there would be so many times where, like, I would do something. Like, there was one time where, there, uh, there was one time where, um, Pastor Christian was preaching a message and I was sitting on the front row and he was preaching a message. And, and for some reason, he started talking about the mountains of North Carolina. And he was like, I mean, the black mountains. And when he, as soon as he said black mountains, he looked at me and he looked back up and I was like, what'd you look at me for? <laughs> and he was like, oh, 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 I mean, the black mountains of North Carolina. And I was like, <sighs> and there was one time we was talking about, I'm, I'm kind of roasting him a bit, but it's only because I love him. And um, one, t one time he was talking... So Pastor Christian loves the Philadelphia Eagles, right? He loves the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was talking about this one running back named, uh, I think his name was like LaShawn McCoy, right? He's a running back. But he was like, you know, we got this running back. I mean, running black. And he looked at me again. I was like, what you look at me for? <laughs> and there was this part of me that wanted to get so offended, you know, because anytime like something like that happens, especially in Korea, like be like mad sensitive, like you did that because I'm black, you know? 
<laughs> she knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> She's like, oh, are you crazy? You're crazy. <laughs> and there's this opportunity for me to get, there's these opportunities for us to get offended. But you know what? You can never be offended by your spiritual mother and father when your connection with them is in the spirit. Because your heart burns for the same things that their heart burns for. You pray the same things that they pray for. And you, your connection with them isn't based on what you think. It isn't based upon how you feel. It isn't even based upon what you do. It's because you've received the spirit of adoption as sons. The spirit of sonship. Therefore, when you walk out, you're never one to cede your place. So many people leave the church. So many people leave places or they give up places of authority, of blessing, of influence in the houses that God has set apart for them. The families that God has wanted them to be in because they get offended. And they're like, you know what? I don't really like that pastor too much, but God's calling you there. I don't really like the way that they do that. But God's calling you there. God's wanting you to step into a spiritual inheritance in that house. But instead you're in the soul and not in the spirit. Instead you're trying to understand it with your mind. You're trying to feel it with your heart. You're wanting to make sure that everyone does the same things you do. When God wants you to step into the spirit of sonship. And not the soul of it. You hearing me today church? And when you have the spirit of adoption, when you understand that you've already received it and it's not based upon what you do. You can step in full confidence. You can take your place in the house. You're not trying to find your place. So many people come into the house and they're like, I wonder if this place is right for me. And it's not, it's never a witness in their spirit. It says in Romans eight that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The only witness that you need is in the spirit, not in your soul. It's not whether or not you like the message or it made you feel good. It's whether or not it resonates in your spirit. That's what bears witness that you're a son. And when we have that, we step in full confidence wherever God has placed us to be. You step in full confidence in this house because you know it's not based upon what you do. It's not based upon whether or not you agree. You're sons. Each and every one of you, you're sons of this house. And it has nothing to do with what you think. It has everything to do with the witness that's in your spirit. Hmm. Hmm. You know, Another area that we don't want, which causes us to cede our place or that causes us to walk in anxiety, walk in fear in the house of God, walk in fear and anxiety in a place where we should be fully confident and comfortable is the fact that we don't understand discipline. We have a wrong understanding of discipline in the, in the house of God. You know, the way we understand discipline, as soon as I said discipline, somebody was, oh, discipline, oh, oh, discipline. We understand discipline like children. We understand, our understanding of discipline is very childish. You know what I'm saying? Like, Janine's totally going to be like feeling me on this one again. But like, you know, in like the black 
community <laughs> where I grew up. Where I grew up, every time I did something wrong, like, I got like a spanking. But in the South, we didn't call it a spanking. We called it a whooping. I think maybe that's like a universal black term, whooping. Like, that's in like the Urban Dictionary, whooping. But I don't know what you, anybody else called it. But I realized that actually, like, Koreans got that too. <laughs> like, Kore- like, Korean parents, they just like, they got, they carry that same anointing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, they got that lightning fast reflexes. I, my mom, like, she had, a, she had like an anointing for that. Like, so many times we'd be driving in the car, right? And I was like, I have like a, a younger brother and a younger sister. And so we'd all be like sitting in the back. But I would position myself behind my mom as she's driving, right? Because I'm thinking, I can mess with them. But she's driving, so she cannot whoop me because I'm sitting directly behind her. And she's driving, and we're precious cargo. And I remember one time we were driving. My mom, well, my mom was driving. We're going somewhere. My mom's driving. And me and, my, me and my brother, I think, got into it. And me and my brother, we used to love to watch pro wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that was just the spirit of God that highlighted pro wrestling because that's totally like me. Like, me and my brother, we just, like, wrestle all the time. He's, like, six years younger than me. Don't judge me. Don't, my brother would fight dirty, all right? He'd fight dirty. He'd bring foreign objects in, you know? And, and, me, and me and my brother, we got into it. And all of a sudden, like, you know, he hit me, and then I hit him. And because I'm, you know, six years older, I, I kind of hit a bit harder. So, like, he played he play dirty like that, too. He, like, hit me, like, where I would, like, hurt. You know, hit me, like, in the kidneys or something. And then, like, you know, like, it's, that's dirty, right? Why you going to hit me in the kidneys? But... And so I turned around and I'd hit him back. But as soon as I hit him back, <laughs> mama, he hit me. And I remember clear as day, my mama's driving and she, I can't even do it. She turned around, still we're moving. And she reaches around the back and starts hitting me with her hand while she's driving. And I'm like, mama, you're going to kill us. Stop it. Stop. She's like, boy, what did I tell you about doing that? Stop that right now. And I was like, oh, mama, you know. <laughs> and I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> but, you know, there's so many times where I would, you know, I do something wrong and I get, I get whooped. I get a spanking. I get disciplined. And then what would happen is I'd cry for a bit. I'd cry. I'd be in my room, like on my bed. <laughs> Knock right out, right? <laughs> Just pass out. Right there on the hooker. <laughs> and then I'd wake up. I'm completely healed. I got, I got like, you know, got like a little red mark, but I'm fine. I, you know, I'm completely healed. And I, and I don't forgot that anything happened. But I have, the rem, I, have, I have the memory that I got that whooping earlier. So I'm kind of like, you know. I walk gingerly around my mom because, you know, she got, she got like cat-like reflexes. One time we were in Walmart. And I don't know if I told this story before. We were in Walmart in the toy section. Like the, in Walmart, they had the toy section right next to like the women's like beauty product section. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to go over to the toys. And I was over in the toys. And my mom was in the beauty product section. And my mom was like, all right, Marcus, it's time to go. And I was sitting, I was looking at like an action figure. And I was like, no. And as soon as I said no, right? No is like the worst thing to say to a black woman. I was like, no. 
And as soon as I turned around, I turned around, it was like two seconds. As soon as I turned around, she was already there. And she smacked me right in my mouth. And it was like, oh. And then I got in the car, I cried for a bit, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> and I woke up, and then, you know, it was like nothing ever happened. My mouth was healed. But you know, for us in the body of Christ, that's our understanding of discipline. We did something wrong. We're going to get rebuked. We're going to feel bad about ourselves for a while. And we're going to fall asleep. And then get up like nothing ever happened. And so we walk around, but we walk around gingerly because we're afraid of what will happen if we get rebuked again. Our understanding of discipline is like it's a spanking. Our understanding of discipline is you did something wrong. Now I'm going to punish you. Feel bad about yourself for a while. And then once you're over that, yeah. And then we have this memory of that's how our discipline is supposed to be. So when we walk into the house of God, the way that we walk is very ginger. The way that we, we give ourselves to things is, is, you know, a little standoffish. Because you know what? If I give myself to this, if I really go for it, I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to get a rebuke. And I don't want to get a rebuke. That's death. That's how we approach it. But I want to show you something. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. I'm just going to read from verse 31. And I want those who have ears to hear. I want you to to really pick this up. I want you to catch this right now. You dare say amen. Amen. Proverbs is after Psalms, if you're wondering. It says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. I want you to focus on that part where it says life-giving reproof. In other translations, it says life-giving rebuke. Did you know there's a rebuke that gives life? Actually, do you know when you receive a rebuke, it is not meant to bring death. It's meant to bring life. Well, it is meant to bring death, death to your flesh, but it's meant to bring life. And Jesus said there's only one thing that brings life. He said the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And when you're walking in the spirit, it's impossible for you to be rebuked. When you're walking in full confidence as to what you have in God and in the spirit, it's impossible for you to fail. And anytime you may slip up, anytime you may receive a rebuke, it's not because you are wrong. It's not even really about what you did. It's about where your heart was positioned when you did it. Because when you did it, you were in the flesh. When you did it, you were doing it according to your own works, your own power, your own will, and not the spirit. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, right? When it talks about the word of God being sharper than any double-edged sword. What does it do? It pierces at the division of what? Soul and spirit. It discerns your very thoughts and your intentions. And when you receive a rebuke, when discipline goes out, it's supposed, what it does is it shows you where the spirit is and where you were. And it's meant to shift you from where you were into the spirit. 
It's meant to shift you from a place where you were relying on your own ideas, your own works, your own ways, and into the spirit where there's no lack, where you have everything you need. And when you understand that that's what discipline is for, you begin to understand that discipline is good for you. You begin to understand that discipline isn't just good for you like, you know, I I know this whooping is good for me. But that it actually brings life. That it's actually supposed to make you stronger. That a rebuke, a rebuke should shift you from one level of glory to another. A rebuke should take you higher than you were before. Because it's in the spirit. It's bringing you to a place of greater life. An area in your life where you were living in death, you're now living in life. It says in, if you flip over a couple pages to Proverbs chapter 13. (coughs) You know, so many people misquote this verse. They say, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not in the Bible, actually. Some of y'all are like, what? I thought that was in the Bible. (laughs) Proverbs 13, 24. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him then when we receive rebuke when we receive dis- when we receive discipline those aren't things that we're supposed to fear but they're actually manifestations of love because that's the father coming to us and saying you know what that's an area in your life that you've been living in the flesh and now i want you to turn from that way and start living in the spirit I want you to turn and start living in this way. It says in Hebrews that God disciplines those he loves. He disciplines us as sons. And that he, if he didn't discipline us, we would be like illegitimate children. And we're not illegitimate. Amen? And so when you understand that this is the function of discipline, this is the way that discipline is meant to operate in your life, the way you receive it is different and the way that you give it is different. When you understand that in the spirit, it's going to give you life. When someone rebukes you and you receive that rebuke, even if that person is rebuking you in the flesh, you'll be able to discern the spirit of it. You'll be able to take what you can take from it. We have a saying here at New Philly is to eat the meat and throw out the bones. And that means that you take the things that resonate in your spirit. You throw away the things that don't. And if you begin to understand that that's the nature of rebuke, you'll begin to discipline in that same way as well. And you'll find that the people that God has put around you, when you speak a word to them, it's not to put them down, but they're going to get built up in it. They're going to get built up to greater levels and to greater levels of authority even more. Because the words you speak to them are spirit in life. You know, I came to this revelation that, you know, Peter, right? Everyone loves the dog on Peter because Peter, like, always would mess up. And Peter would always do something and, like, you know, Jesus would be like, why'd you doubt? Why'd you do this? You know, get behind me, Satan, right? <laughs> and, and we love to talk about, talk junk about Peter. We're like, mm, he called Peter Satan. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't be like Peter. That's the point of the message. Amen. All right. You know, everyone leaves like, I'm not going to be like Peter today. You know, <laughs> I have so many messages. I've heard them that on podcasts and stuff where the, the pastor, the preachers are like, don't be like Peter. 
But you know, every time that Jesus brought a rebuke to Peter, it was never rebuking Peter for what he did. But it was always rebuking Peter for where he was when he did it. Even when Jesus was like, you know what, I'm, the son of man is going to be built up. He's going to be brought up to be crucified. He's going to have to bear all these things. Peter comes to me. He's like, that ain't yours, dog. That ain't you. That ain't you at all. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. And everyone's like, mm, so you, got, you got rebuked. When he said, get behind me, Satan. You know, Peter was located. He was in the flesh in that moment. And you know who has dominion over the flesh? Satan. When you're operating in the flesh, you're operating in his dominion. And he told him, get behind me, Satan. And then the next thing you know, the next thing he said, you see it right there. He said, because you have on your mind, not the things of God, not the things of the spirit, but the things of man, the things of the flesh. And so when he said that to Peter, it wasn't, Peter, look how stupid you are. Look what you did. I can't believe you messed up again. Even when Peter was walking on water and he began to sink, he said, why did you doubt? Doubt is a manifestation of the flesh. It's when we're walking in the flesh that we doubt. Because we, in the flesh, we're just constantly trying to earn our own salvation. But when you're in the spirit, there's no doubt. Every time Jesus rebuked Peter, it was an invitation for Peter to shift his heart and begin to start living in the spirit again. And the last thing is that keeps us from taking our place is comparison. So many of us in the body of Christ, we compare ourselves to the person next to us. But you know, you can never take your place in this house if you are constantly trying to take someone else's. If you're constantly aspiring for someone else's place in the house. Because in your aspiration to try and get that place, you're missing yours. You know, we see that so many times in worship. When we come into the house. And the presence of God is here. But the first thing we begin to do is we begin to compare ourselves in the flesh. What will other people think of me? How will people view me if I really begin to give my all and begin to take my place as a priest and as a minister to God, ministering unto him? But not only that, but praising him and receiving that blessing. We begin to compare ourselves to the person next to us. Or maybe not that, but on the other end where we look at someone else and we're like, you know what? I'm not as anointed as that person. I wish I had the gifting like that person or I wish I walked in purity like that person or I wish I was like this person. But I'm not. And what that comparison does is it prevents us from really stepping into what God has for you. Another one, another one of those times where Jesus rebukes Peter was when Peter was actually comparing himself to John. Jesus had spoken to Peter and he said, you know what, Peter, you've got this call in your life and, and I'm going to take you so many different places. And then when you're old, you're going to die a certain death that's going to glorify me. And it's an amazing thing that he speaks to Peter in that moment. But then he speaks something else to John. 
And Peter turns to me, he's like, well, why, why'd, you, why'd you give him something like that? What about me? And Jesus turns to me and says, Peter, what is it to you that I may give him this kind of call? You need to follow me. And a lot of the times we compare ourselves because we, we're walking in lack and not in the, in the fullness. We feel this anxiety about who we really are and about what God has really given us. And therefore, we begin to compare ourselves to other people and think that if I get there, then maybe I'll be all right. But when God says, take your place, it's your place, not anyone else's. Anxiety and fear are manifestations of these feelings of powerlessness. When we feel like that there's this negative thing that is coming our way and we're powerless to stop it. And usually for many of us, when we feel anxiety and fear, the first thing we do is we begin to turn to the flesh and we begin to either, we begin to get jealous or envious or we begin to get prideful and begin to try and work for our salvation. But actually the invitation in that moment is for us to shift to the spirit. For us to exchange our powerlessness for God's power. A lot of times we compare because we don't feel content about where God has actually placed us in the house. But when you understand that in the spirit there is no lack. When you understand what God has placed in you, there is absolutely no lack whatsoever. You'll be able to be content in every circumstance. Paul was able to write in Philippians 4. He said, I am content whether I am poor or rich. I am content in every single circumstance. I am content whether or not I have people around me, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor. I'm content in everything. Why? Because I can do all things in him who gives me strength. Because my power is no longer located in my flesh, but it's located in the spirit. And one thing I think God wants you to understand as well is that we are all connected. And that comparison has no place in the body of Christ. Because we are made one in the spirit. We are the body. You know, if one person, if nourishment comes through the mouth, all of us get a piece of it. You know, the eye can't be jealous of the foot. Because we all serve a purpose. And the nourishment that one receives, we all receive. The anointing that one walks in, we all walk in. That's why in Psalm 133, you're able to say how sweet it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the oil that is poured out over Aaron, over his entire body. We're all anointed. We got to understand that we have the spirit in complete measure, fullness, and therefore we walk, we can walk in full confidence. Paul wrote in Galatians 5, he said, if you live by the spirit, then walk by the spirit. That if the spirit is what makes you alive, then you need to begin to walk in that same spirit. So I want everyone right now to just stand to your feet. And if I can have you come up.
want everyone to just close your eyes and begin and to lift up your hands. You know, I was talking a lot about how <coughs> about, about how this lack of confidence is because we haven't moved into the spirit. Because when we're in the spirit and we understand that we've received the spirit of sonship and we understand that God has given us the spirit without, without measure, in complete abundance, we can take our place with full confidence. And I was, I've been talking about that. But before you step into that place, what you have to do is you have to cast off your flesh. You have to put away the flesh. Paul writes that he crucified the flesh and all of its passions and desires. Because when you crucify the flesh, then the next thing you're able to do is then to move into the spirit. Then to walk and be led by the spirit. And all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. So right now, what I want us to do is I want us to begin to lift up our voices. And if you've been struggling and carrying all this comparison or anxiety or fear or even any other works of the flesh that have been have been hindering you. I want you to begin to just cast those things off right now. Everyone begin to lift up your voice right now because you have to do it. It's not something that happens by my by me laying hands on you. It's something that you have to take hold of. It's something that you have to apply your own faith to. Everyone, right now, begin to lift up your voices. Be bold. Your breakthrough is here, but you have to be bold to take it. You have to be bold to take it right now. You have to be bold to say that I'm no longer going to walk according to anxiety. I'm no longer going to walk according to fear. I'm no longer going to walk according to comparison. I'm no longer going to be ruled by my soul. But to you, oh Lord, I lift my soul. In you, oh God, I trust. Yes. Yes, begin just continue, begin to warfare against it. Begin to just cast off all the misdeeds of the flesh. God, in this place right now, Lord, we cast off the misdeeds of the flesh. We crucify the flesh in all its passions and desires. Yes, God.